Sorry, I, I'm not wearing a cardigan. I'm not going to change my shoes. I don't have a trolley and all beside me. Some of you guys are like, what are you referring to? There was an old show called Mr. Rogers back in the day, and it was the best. You grew up, if you grew up on that, you are a privileged human being. That's all I'm going to say. It's amazing. Anyway, uh, honored to have you today. Thank you for being here in our last week, week four of our Won't You Be My Neighbor series, and we are super honored that you're here. We are going to be in John today. If you want to go ahead and turn enter on your Bibles, go ahead and flip over to John. Uh, John is in the, in the uh, first four books of the Bible, uh, of, of the New Testament, not the Bible. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, right? So it's before Acts, it's after Luke, all right? So you can turn in there. Hey, while you're turning there, I just want to say, man, I love worship sets like we had today. Uh, I really do, and here's why. I think one of the things... Uh, that we have to learn as followers, and even in this church a little bit, we have to learn how to celebrate some things sometimes. Like sometimes we just get so caught up on we got to be reserved and we got to be quiet. And the Bible actually says to bring a loud praise unto the Lord. All right. And that, that's going to set some theologies ablaze right there. Um, but the truth is, is like sometimes we need to learn to celebrate uh, what, what, what is happening. And we're in a season right now, it's Palm Sunday today. And Jesus is welcomed into the town on palm branches, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes, things like that. But then we got Easter next Sunday, and Easter is not a holiday where we hunt eggs. He's, Easter is where we celebrate the resurrection and the victory of Jesus Christ in all of our lives. And I love that set today, and I guess some of it may work into next week. We'll see. But the truth of the matter is, is if we don't learn to celebrate what Jesus has done, we will take it for granted. There's an old leadership phrase that says, what's celebrated is what? Repeated. What's celebrated, if you don't believe me, go celebrate your kids doing something good today. Go celebrate what they did. I promise you they'll do it again. Give them a piece of candy, they'll do it again. They'll do it again. You, we just sell what's celebrated is repeated. And so I don't know about you, uh, but I, here's also why I love expressive worship. If you came into my house, or I came into your house, let's put it that way. If I came into your house, sat on your couch, and I was like, I'm having so much fun. This is a blast. It's the most fun I've ever had in, your, in anybody's house ever, in the history of houses that I've been in. It's amazing. You'd look at me and go, fix your face. <laughs> fix your face. Like, I'm glad you're having fun, but can you like, tell the rest of your body that? Come on. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes I believe that's how God feels with us. If you're a believer and you've submitted your life to you, I think God sometimes wants to look at you and go, fix your face. Act like you're joyful about the fact that I rose from the grave. Uncross your arms a little bit, maybe even put them together. Come on, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like make fun of anybody or anything. I'm just trying to give some practicality to what worship is and why I love expressive worship like that. It is powerful to take a moment and go, I'm going to celebrate the fact that yes, he died and yes, he was crucified, but three days later, he got up out of that grave and he held the keys to death, hell, and the grave in his hands and victory is ours. I think we need to celebrate that. I really do. So I love that. Hey, I already mentioned it. Next week is Easter. Next week is Easter. I'm excited. We got four experiences right here in our Columbia campus, two in Florence. Our four here are, we have one on Friday night, on Good Friday at 7 p.m. 
right here in the auditorium. It's gonna be a great time. And then we have our normal three on Sunday, 8.30, 10, 11.30. I do expect them to be packed out with people celebrating Easter and people coming to figure out what is this Jesus thing all about. I believe we're in a place in the world today, if I'm gonna be transparent for a moment, I believe we're at a place in the world today where people are searching for hope. I think people need some hope. And here's the beauty, we got it to give. And his name is Jesus. And so I'm, I'm praying and, uh, that, that, that more people uh, come this year than ever. And it's not to fill seats. It's because I just believe there's hope in Jesus Christ. And here's what I promise you. Uh, it, well, let me ask you this first, and then I'll give you my promise. How many of you will say, I'll take a challenge with you, and I'll invite at least one person to join me for Easter next Sunday? Come on, hands up. Come on, take, commit yourself. Commit yourself. Come on. Amen. Some of you are like, I mean, I can't like hold you to it, so, but I hope you'll take that challenge. We're gonna do something in a second, but here's what I promise you. If you'll bring somebody, here's my promise to you. I promise you, I will make the good news and the story of Jesus Christ on the bottom shelf that anybody you bring will know that they have hope, they have victory, they have love, they have grace, and they have mercy through him. I promise you that much. And I believe it's gonna be one of the best Easter's. So again, raise your hand, you ready, ready, raise your hand. I'll take that challenge, Pastor, yeah, all over the room. Now here's what I want you to do, grab your phones. Everybody grab your phone, come on, come on, come on. Y'all looking at me like, what are you doing right now? Don't worry about it, I'll tell you in a second. Just grab your phones, grab your phone. I don't have mine, I'll leave it on my desk back there, uh, but I'll grab this and I'll pretend it's my phone. How about that? Here's what I want you to do. What is delayed, we often forget about, so we're gonna go ahead and invite them right now. I want you to go to your text message app. Go ahead. Come on, guys. Get your text message out. Send that person that you're thinking of right now. Go ahead send and pull them up on the text message. Pull it up. And then here's a sample. You can steal this. You can write your own version of it. I'm going to give you time. I don't care. I got time to waste. It's all good. I get the mic today, so I get to decide. It's, hey, I don't know what you have planned for Easter, but I want to invite you to go to church with me. I'll be going to the, and then you put whatever service time you're going to. Will you join me this year? And watch this. If they give a different time back, I want you to tell them, okay, I'll go to that one with you. I'll be there with you, I'll sit with you. Go ahead, send it, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, I ain't got all day, but I'll take all day if I need to. While you're doing that, I'll tell you a story. We did this in the 8.30 service as well, and I had somebody come up to me afterwards and almost immediately got a reply back from the person that said, I would actually love to join you. I'll be at the second service. Come on, somebody, right on the spot. That's all it took. All it took was a text. That's it. I'm turning you into missionaries today. It's going to be incredible. Now, hopefully you sent that text. I know uh, some of you are a little slower at texting than others. That's okay. You can continue sending that. But send that out. And here's what I'd encourage you to do throughout the week. Send that to a few other people. And follow up with that person that you just sent it to. Follow it up. Just go, hey, which one are you coming to? Are you going to join me? Are you going to be with me? We can turn that off. We're good. I think everybody sent it. Everybody send it, come on. Just send it, just send it, come on. No, it's great. Uh, we're excited that you guys are joining us to bring as many people with you to Easter. I, I, I'm telling you, I promise I'll make it a, a practical and I, I, I think God's gonna do some amazing things this year. Anybody with me? Y'all can make more noise than that. Anybody with me today? I heard from one person this week. Um, uh, she, she, she cuts my hair, so if you like my hair, I can tell you who it is. If uh, you don't, uh, I'll still tell you who it is. Um, but uh, she told me this week, she's got four family members that are joining her next Sunday for Easter at Radiate. They've never been before. It's gonna be awesome. 
So we've been in this series, let's continue going. We've been in this series, I'm ending it today, called Won't You Be My Neighbor. We kicked it off with Micah McKelvey from Vapor Ministries, who was here and talked about purpose. We uh, had the next week where we talked about how uh, we need to make room for everybody at the table, and we need to have people at our table as we're walking this life out with Christ. And as you can tell, we're going to continue with that theme today. Last week, Pastor Travis brought an amazing word, an amazing message on the Good Samaritan, and you have to choose what side of the road you're going to be on. And, and, and which one you, you, you choose to be. Today, I want to take us a little bit deeper as we talk about loving your neighbor. And I want to be very transparent and tell you that my goal today, my heart today, is that I think and I believe and I know by reading the gospel and reading the Bible that it is incredibly important, watch this, to invite people and bring people on the journey with you and to church in order to love them. I think inviting people to the church is one of the greatest ways you can love people. Now, I'm not saying that just because I pastor a church, because you may be visiting from another church, and I would still tell you that about your church. I believe it's one of the greatest things. In fact, Jesus, in the Bible, Jesus died to empower and engage the church, the Big C Church. Now, here's what I want to go ahead and clear up. The Big C Church is not this building. All right, y'all going to get with me eventually. The Big C Church is not this building. The Big C Church is the body of Christ. Here's what I know and here's what I hope you know is that the, the church in China looks different than the church in the United States. The church in Europe looks different than the church in the United States. The church in Africa looks different than the church in the United States. You can pick any continent, any country, any city even, any state in the United States and the church, the Big C Church is gonna look different. This is not the only church. I believe this is a church God is using to reach this community. I believe this is a church that is, God is using to reach Florence County and other counties that are down the pipe coming hopefully soon. But here's what I know is the church is a way that we can introduce people to the love of Jesus. It is the empowerment. It is the embodiment of the gospel as followers of Jesus to go out and reach as many people as possible. In fact, in Luke, I mean, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, Jesus says it like this. This is his mission for the church. Go out into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to obey all that I command. That's the part that we want to forget. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the big C church. Global, that is all of our mission. I believe environments like this, environments like Radiate Church are important because it is a place where we can come and people in our setting, in our culture where we live can come in and see and experience people that love God, experience people that love each other, and experience people that are passionate about those things. That's part of the reason I love loud worship. Because here's the thing, you don't, when I am expressive in my worship, you don't have to wonder where my allegiance lies. It's the same thing. I bet if we went to a football game with you, to your favorite team, whichever it is, we wouldn't have to wonder if you were excited when they tore, uh, scored a touchdown. That's right. Guarantee you. We wouldn't have to wonder if, if we were excited when they won. We wouldn't even have to wonder if you were disappointed if they lost. But we, you, we at church, sometimes we have to wonder, are they really passionate about this thing? Do they really believe God? Come on. Oh, do, we, do they really believe Jesus raised from the dead? You know? Sometimes I think God just goes, fix your face a little bit. Like, show, be expressive, be, be, be excited 
about what God's doing in the house. And I can't think of a better thing to do to love somebody for eternity than to go, I know where you can meet some people that are different than this world. They love people different. They talk different. They act, they're just different. Like some of you are like, yeah, I'm different, all right. (laughs) I mean, spiritually different. Like those people that you come into contact with and you know there's just something different about that person. I can bring you to a place to where there's hundreds of them every single week. I want you to meet them. I want you to get in life. I want you to come with me. Just come sit with me. One of the greatest things that we can do to reach people for the kingdom of God is to live it out and invite them to church with us so that they can meet other people and go, hey, I'm not asking you to do something that other people are not doing. I'm asking you to join a family called the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, that lives this thing out with everything inside of us. So I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, my goal today is I'm going to talk about the importance of bringing people to church because I believe it's biblical. And I think our job and our goal is what we want to do is we want to always make room for people at the table. And as I read the scriptures and I read the Bible, there are three chairs that should always be at our tables. And when I say our tables, I want you to know that I'm not just talking about like a physical dinner table at your house. Maybe, maybe that is the case. But it's, it's the life and the journey that we live in faith at your table. Who are you bringing with you, right? Um, I had a recent question. So if you're in leadership, if you serve with us, if you've been through Engage and you serve on a team, you know, you have the opportunity to work up into leadership and be over a team and lead people. And, you know, there's culture and all that stuff. And you learn that over time. And actually uh, all but one of our staff members have been hired through that process on the staff here at Radiate Church. And the reason I say that is because every month we do a leadership development night. Uh, for everybody in leadership, a coach, team leader, somebody wanting to be a leader. And I always give Q&A time, uh, time for leaders. I love Q&A. I love answering questions about leadership and ministry. And during one of our recent moments together, a leader asked me a question uh, that I have thought about truthfully every day since. And it was this question. It was, what is one thing that you think our church should get better at? I love that question because that shows that like they're not going to take offense to anything. They want to know how to get better. What, what can we do as a church to get better at reaching people? I love questions like that, right, that are just hum- humility, dripping with humility. And, and I love that. And I thought, and I had, a, I had the answer immediately because it's the right answer, and it's the answer for us in this season, and it's the answer that haunts me a little bit, if I'm going to be Honest with you. Now, if you're not a part of Radiate Church and you're just here today checking it out, uh, you're getting an inside behind the scenes glimpse and I kind of give you a moment to step back and just hear what I'm saying. But if you're a part of Radiate Church, if this is your home, I want to give you the answer today because I believe it's this. It's we need to have a passion. We should get better at having a passion to bring people into the house of God to experience the power of God so that we can go out and share the gospel of God. I really believe that. Because what happens is when we enjoy something, you know, we, we enjoy the, the comfy seats and the lights and the music and we enjoy the worship and the preaching and we, of course you enjoy the preaching and we, we enjoy all those things and the people and we enjoy all that. Here's what happens. Comfort sets in. And the more comfortable we get, the less we want to be bothered. And when we don't want to be bothered, we, we, we will guard ourselves against everything. That Go sit in your recliner at home today. Get comfortable. Guess what you'll do? You'll guard yourself about against anything that could bull you out of that comfort. We all do it. 
I'm afraid that's what some of us do in church. This is my seat, my row, my place, my worship, my thing, my this, my that, my that. And can I tell you something? The church was not created for you. It was created for us. It was created to reach people for the kingdom of God. And if you've given your life to the Lord and you've submitted your life to Jesus and he is your king and he is your savior and he is your Lord, can I tell you something? The church was created to be a hub where you get to use your talents and your abilities to bring other people in, to tell them about the goodness of Jesus, to connect with others, to grow together and to reach more people in your community. That is the church. That is the local church which is why I think a healthy, growing local church is one of the greatest moments of the world. It's one of the greatest outreaches of the world. And so what I wanna do is I wanna challenge you today and encourage you today that we are not gonna close off seats at our table. In fact, the three chairs I'm gonna talk about today are three chairs that I encourage you to have in your life every day, every moment, Every time you go somewhere, but also the three chairs that Radiate Church will 100% always have at the table here at this place. As long as I'm the pastor, I will fight through whatever I need to fight through in order to make sure that these three chairs are open for three, these three people to sit at the table and hear about the goodness of Jesus. But how do we get them to the table? How do we get people to the table to begin with? We talked a little bit about that two weeks, but I just want to sum it all up in one word. One four-letter word. Calm down. It's not that kind of word. It's one word. It's the word love. How do we get people to the table? We love them there. In fact, John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says it like this. He says, by this... He's talking about love. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Let's stop there. You have to know what disciple means. Disciple does not mean somebody that prayed a prayer at the altar and went home and said, once saved, always saved, I'm good. No, here's what disciple is. Disciple is learner. That's literally what the word means, learner. Watch this. It means if you are his disciple, you have committed to a lifestyle of learning more about him every day. And he goes, they will know that you are someone that learns from and about me every day of your life if you have what? Love for one another. Love for one another. Love for, how do you get people at the table? How do you invite people on the journey? Love. Now let me, let me, let me just dispel this myth. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Love is not agreement. You can love people you disagree with. In fact, I say it like this. Love is not really tested until you disagree. Amen. It's easy to love somebody you always agree with. It's easy to love people that are just peacemakers and so they'll agree with anything because they're just like, yeah, that's right, that's great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Everything is great. Everything's phenomenal. Everything's amazing. Sometimes it's not. And it's okay. It's okay. Watch this. We talked about this two weeks ago. You can embrace someone without embracing the problem. Jesus did it all the time. Go and what? Sin no more. Why? There was a problem. I'm not embracing that. You need to go and not do that. But I love you for who you are, and now you're cleansed and righteous before God because of me. Watch this. Love is the ability to do life with one another even when you disagree. That's love. And so when he says, when you have love for one another, here's what he's saying. I want you to love each other so well 
that you love them like I love you. I believe the way you love others is a testament to the Savior you serve. I think the way you love others is actually a glimpse into the way you see Jesus. I love them hard. That's probably how you think Jesus is with you. I love them very soft. That's probably how you think Jesus is with you. Jesus is both. He can take his stance and be strong on a stance, but also tenderly embrace you and love you in that moment. That's what we're called to do. There's a, there's a church phrase out there. I actually love this phrase. I'm going to change one word in it. But he sa- it says, saved people serve people. I believe that. But I also believe saved people love people. Can I tell you this? It, you can love others and not love God. But I don't think you can fully love God and not love others. Let me give you a practical example. You want to love me well as your pastor? Maybe as a, if we're friends, whatever. You want to love me well? Love my kids well. I understand my kids are a lot sometimes. They're just like their daddy. I understand. I'm a lot. For, I get on my own nerves. Like, I get it. You want to love me well? Love your kids well. Love my kids well. If I want to love you well, guess what I need to love? Your kids well. Your spouse well. I think God sometimes looks at us and goes, you really want to love me? Love my kids. Love them well. Love them the way that I love you. So there's three chairs that we all need to have at our table. Three chairs. And the first one is this. The first one is one that you thought we've already done today. We've already exhibited this one. You've already thought of this. The first chair is you have to have a chair for someone. You have to have a chair for someone. You know, whenever I told you, grab your phones, come on, grab your phones, grab your phones, grab your phones, and I said, pull up the text message app, type in that name of that person that you want to invite to Easter, or maybe you already have, or you got to send that text message, whatever that is. Some of you, you know what most of you did? You had somebody in mind already. The moment I said that, you're like, oh, I got to text this person. I got to bring them. I got to make sure they're there. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe it was even a boss, whatever. But you thought of someone. You thought of someone that needed to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ and you wanted to invite them to Easter Radiate. There's a story in in John chapter 1 of the same thing taking place. In John chapter 1, verses 41 through 42 is where we're really going to hang out. You got Andrew. And Andrew comes along and he meets the Messiah. He meets this man named Jesus. His life is just blown up. Turned upside down, amazing, like he can't believe it. The Messiah is here. And what you have to understand is they had been waiting decades and decades and decades and preparing for the Messiah and who he was going to be and that he was coming. And all of a sudden, Andrew's like, I see him. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's Christ. And Andrew immediately thinks of someone. In fact, let's read verses 41 through 42. It says, and he found first his own brother, Simon. And he said to him, we have found the Messiah. Here's what Andrew's saying. Simon, stop what you're doing. You've got to hear this. I found him. The one we've all been waiting for. The one we've all been looking for. I found him. And then verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. He didn't just tell him. He said, you got to come with me. And so he took him by the hand or whatever he did. And he took him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. 
You shall be named Cephas, which is translated Peter. And later, Jesus looks at Peter and he says what? Upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter becomes one of the cornerstone pastors of the first church. But it never would have happened unless Andrew thought of someone. We all know someone. In fact, I would say to some people, you are that someone. And that's a good thing. We need to make room for someone. Maybe it's a, like I said, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's what you are. To, there is a Simon somewhere in your life. And you, if we've given our life to Jesus, finding someone is not an option. We should have our head on a swivel, always finding someone. And we, there's someone right now in your life that needs to meet Jesus. Come on. There's someone in your life that needs to meet Jesus. There's someone in your life that needs hope. Can I just be transparent? It is exhausting seeing everything happening in the world today. Are you with me? It's exhausting. You can't, you can't pull up the news. You can't pull up social media without somebody fighting about something stupid. You can't pull up anything without seeing political ideologies warring against each other and you see violence here and you see violence there. You see all this stuff happening and some of you are like, yeah, well, it's in Revelation. Doesn't mean that it's fun. Doesn't make it easy. It's exhausting. It's tiring. That's why I'd say some of us, probably all of us need to turn off the news and social media and turn on the Bible and the worship sometimes and get into some good news rather than hearing some bad news all the time. It's exhausting, and can I tell you, you're not the only one exhausted. You're not the only one hearing that feeling hopeless. There's people that you call friends right now that need the hope of Jesus Christ in their lives. They don't know where else to, to go. There's someone in your life that needs to know who they are. What I love, part of what I love about this story is Andrew goes and he says, Simon, you got to meet this man. I met the Messiah. Come with me. Come on, let's go find him. He meets Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and it says, your name is no longer Simon, your name is now Cephas, your name is Peter. Why is that important? Well, the more you study the Bible in Jesus, the more you see where these encounters took place and Jesus changed people's lives. In fact, the Old Testament, it happens a lot as well. Why? Because back then you have to understand, names were not what you were called, names were what you were defined by. The meaning of your name was the definition of your life. And so when Jesus when God changes a name in the Bible, he's changing who you're, what you're defined by. He's changing your very structure of who you are. Here's what he's saying. That's who you were, but now you've met the Messiah. And from this point forward, you'll be known as something else. Your name has changed. We all know someone that needs someone to care. Here's, here's a, there's, a, there's a pastor and a leadership, a church leadership guru out there by the name of Kerry Newoff. He's a, a, a great follow. If any of you are into that, I'm a nerd with that stuff. And he has this quote that is backed up by statistics. And I love this quote. It says this, 82% of people say they would come to church if a friend invited them. But only 2% of Christians bother. Let me, let me read that again. 82%, literally a little more than eight out of 10 people that don't attend church, that don't believe in Jesus say, I would attend if a friend invited me. 
but only 2% of people that claim that they have submitted their entire lives to Jesus invite anybody to church. Nationwide statistics. If that, if you're a follower of Jesus and that doesn't bother you, I don't know what will. Well, maybe they don't want to go to church. Maybe they do. Well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Didn't say you did, but you don't have to go home to be married either. And it's going to be a whole lot harder for you to get close to your spouse whenever you're not home. The truth is, hear me today. The church is not your salvation, but the church is the place where you come together to grow closer to Jesus and grow closer to his people and understand I'm not the only one in this thing trying to do this thing right. Let's grow together. Let's do it the right way. 82% of people say they would come to church if a friend invited them, only 2% bother. I would challenge you to say, let's bury that statistic here in Columbia. Let's bury that statistic online. Let's bury that statistic in Florence. And let's be people that go, no, I believe in what's happening here. We always make room. We always make room for someone. And as you're making room for someone, what begins to happen inevitably is that we begin to get a hunger for what's going to take place. We begin to get a hunger for people's lives being changed. And now we begin to make room for anyone. We make room for anyone now. We don't don't just go to one person because now we went to that someone and their life has been changed and their life has been altered and no, we still don't agree on everything and there's still things to work on, but that's called life and that's called journey and all that. But now I gotta make room for anyone. We need a seat at the table for anyone. Anyone can come. Anyone can sit in Luke chapter 14, verses 21 through 24, I love this series of scriptures because it's a story. It's a story of a man that's throwing a, a, a party and he's got everything together. He's got his radiate mugs together. Come on, because we love radiate. He's got his plates and his, 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 his utensils and it's decorate. Great food is ready. Everything's there. And he's got his distinguished guest list that has come. And have you ever thrown a party and people are like, I'm sorry, I can't make it. Like, I can't make it. And then before you know it, there's like one person coming and that's you. Right. And, and that's what this man ran into. Everybody, nobody could make it. And it was just a difficult time. And they had travel ball and they had this and they had work engagements and they had that. And all these things were going on and, and life happens. Right. And what most of us would do, okay, I'll try another day. This man didn't. Let's read 21 through 24 of Luke chapter 14. He says, and the slave came back and reported this to his master, the fact that they couldn't make it. His list couldn't make it to the party. And then the head of the household became angry, and he said to the slave, go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring them in here, the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Verse 22, and the slave said, Master, what you've commanded, we've already done. And still, there's room at the table. In verse 23, and the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. Can I stop there before I read verse 24? This is a parable that is is illustrating the heart of God. God wants his house filled. God wants more people in. And he says this, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Why didn't the rich man just go, You know what? I'll try another day. You know, I'll try another day. 
we'll do it next week. Hey, hey, pick up your phone. I'm like, hey, what date is everybody? Is everybody good on the 16th? Can we do the 16th at 7? Oh, man, I got, you know, I got worship rehearsal. I got this, I got that. Okay, how about the 22nd? Anybody good on the 22nd? What, you know, and figure it out. Why didn't he just do that? Well, Jesus actually gives the answer on why he didn't just do that in verses 12 through 14 previous verses. See, and here's the thing. Jesus tells parables. He, he teaches this in Scripture. Jesus tells parables, and he says it. He does it in story so that no matter where you are on your journey with God, that you can understand the principles of the kingdom. He says anybody can understand a story. Verse 12 through 14 says it like this. And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him to dinner, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying don't invite those guys. He's saying you don't invite people so that they invite you back. Otherwise, when you do something now to get return now, that is your payment on this side of eternity. He keeps going. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. What is he talking about? When we are all gathered back together again at the resurrection. And we're all gathered together again in heaven. Hear me today. Here's what Jesus is essentially saying. The way you love those that can do nothing for you is the way that you love people. It's not about loving people that can do something for you. It's about loving everyone no matter what. And the whole thing with this story is bring anyone who will benefit. Anyone who will benefit from the dinner. Anyone who will benefit from the, from the meal. Anyone who will be there. Our job when we submit our lives to Christ, our job is not to bring the privileged to the table. Our job is to bring anyone to the table. Anyone who can benefit. In fact, in James chapter 2, in verse 1, it, it, it said like this. My brothers, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. With an attitude of personal favoritism. God, you've done so much for me. I love you. And I think sometimes God would look at us and go, okay, who are you telling about it? I just want you to tell anybody. Anybody that can benefit. Anybody. Tell someone. Find the Simon in your life. Open up the table again. Find anyone that can benefit. Just tell somebody. We don't get to decide who comes to the table. We just get to decide if we're going to be a part of them coming to the table. And when we, hear me, Christian, follower of Jesus, I need you to hear me. This isn't an option. It's not. It's not a, hey, I'd like for you to do, no. It's a requirement. Do not hold the faith in your Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. We don't get to choose who comes into the kingdom. They choose whether they walk into the relationship with God the way that he calls. And number three, the third chair we have. So we have room for someone. You got that someone in your life, whoever that is, I don't know. There's someone in your life that needs to hear about it. We make room for anyone, but we have a, t a chair and a table for everyone. Everyone. I want to go back, and it kind of hits on anyone a little bit, but I want to go back and say again, we don't get to choose 
to say no to somebody else's eternity. Just because we disagree doesn't mean that they don't get a chance to come into the loving arms of our Savior. It doesn't mean that. In fact, I'm, I'm grateful that everyone has a seat at God's table. Because if everyone didn't have a seat at God's table, there was moments in my life where I chose not to walk in that relationship with God as my father. And because there was a seat for everyone, I had a chance to come sit back with him again. I had a chance to sit at his table, yeah. First John chapter two, verse two, says it like this. And he himself is the propitiation or the payment for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Can I, can I hit on something sensitive for a minute? That means people that didn't vote like you. People that don't think like you. Everyone. 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 If they have breath in their lungs and blood in their veins, they have a place at the seat, at a seat at the table of God. They have the opportunity to sit there. Whether they sit in it or not, I can't decide. You can't decide. But it's not for us to decide anyway. It's only between them and God. Everyone gets a seat at the table. There is no one exempt from the opportunity to experience the love, the redemption, the forgiveness, and the grace of Jesus Christ. Everyone gets that opportunity. See, Jesus came. He was born in a manger. Jesus suffered and was tortured, hung on a cross and suffocated to death, was placed in a grave in a tomb that they thought sealed his body forever. And three days later, he rose on the third day to hold victory over sin so that we could be restored and redeemed back to a relationship with God our Father for the entire world. People you'll never see, people you never want to see, people you can't forgive, Jesus already has. See, Jesus came for the adulterer. Jesus came for the liar. Jesus came for the cheater. Jesus came for the homosexual. Jesus came for the heterosexual. Jesus came for the Republican. He came for the Democrat. He came for the third party. He came for the redeemed. He came for the not yet redeemed. He came for the ones that are a part of church now and the ones that will be a part of the church in the future. He came for all of us. No matter who we are, everyone has a seat at the table of God. Everyone. And it's only because of that that you and I get to sit here today and encounter the love of the Father. Thank God that the gospel is for everyone. Thank God that his love 
is for everyone. So when you're handing out those invite cards this week, when you're sending those text messages and making those phone calls and you're sharing those social media graphics and you're inviting people to Easter and you're praying over our services, pray for everyone, expect everyone. We wanna pack it out because there's room for everyone. It doesn't mean we, don't ag we agree. It doesn't mean that we don't take our stance. In fact, I'd say it like this, take your stance on the word of God. Take your stance on the person of God. Take your stance on what is right and what is wrong by God. Take your stance and don't you waver from that stance. But take your stance and love others too. Take your stance and make sure there's room at the table too. Take your stance and make room because making room at the table is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not just the Bible. The gospel is the story of the redemption of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's what I mean when I say gospel. If we forget, as followers of Jesus, if we forget that bringing people to the table of God is a part of our call in life. Inviting others to the table, living for the 803, the initiative we began last week with inviting people and being a part of this area code. Living for the 843, we're doing the same thing in Florence and serving this community well will be optional if we forget. And can I tell you as the call when we give our lives to Jesus, it no longer becomes optional. We have to tell someone. We have to make room for anyone. And we have to always make sure everyone knows they have a seat at the table of God. Don't believe me? The Last Supper, before his death and betrayal, he washed the feet of a man that he knew was going to stab him in the back. There's room for you there too. There's room for us all there. And so yes, I'm praying and I'm believing in such a big way that this year is the greatest Easter we've ever had. Because I say we open up as many chairs as possible so that they can hear the glorious love and goodness of our Father, Jesus Christ, sitting at the table with those that are already walking in it and those that are also trying to figure it out for themselves. I say... Let's fill the table up. Yeah. Let's fill the table up. Not just at Easter either. Maybe the week, you know, the least attended week of the year is the week after Easter. Let's fill it up. Let's fill up the table. Let's tell them about Jesus. Here's what I know. I just want to pray with you. But what I also know is there's some people in the room that on this Palm Sunday, I think it's a great example and illustration, that there are people, there are people that when he came into town, they put palm branches on the ground. They were welcoming him with shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna. They were excited he was there. And those very same people turned on him days later and hung him on a cross. And mocked him as he breathed his last. Why? Because when they were welcoming him, they thought he was a governmental leader. When they crucified him, they found out that he was a spiritual savior. And here's the truth. This is why it's important to fill the table right here. 
Because there's a lot of people that think Jesus is something he's not. And the way you bring him in is what you expect from him. And when he doesn't fulfill that, because Jesus is not a genie in a bottle that you just ask and you get. Jesus is the savior of our souls. He may never heal your body of the sickness that you deal with, but he's still our savior. Hear me today. And there's some of you in the room that have welcomed him with palm branches, but now you're mad at him because it wasn't what you thought. And today you've looked and you've said, I see a savior that loves. There may be one thing throughout the whole thing that is constant, and it's the fact that he loves you. In fact, he loves you right where you are. But entirely too much to leave you there. And today, some of you, it's, I've received him as the wrong thing, and I'm just ready to give him my life. And for some of you, it's, I've given him my life, but I've still received him as the wrong thing. I'm going to get that right, and I'm going to start taking people on the journey with me. I hope this message and the word today has encouraged us and inspired us to go out and make a difference. But I just want to pray with you. If you would, just bow your heads with me today. And if you're in here and you go, you know what, I've received him wrong, but I'm ready to give him my life today, submit my life to him. I've seen a God that loves and heard about a Savior that loves right where we are. If that's you and you're ready to give him your life, would you just hold your hand up right where you're at and go, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus today and start a new life, not of perfection, but of faithfulness and of love with my Savior. If that's you, would you just hold your hand up right where you are? I just want to see who I'm praying with. Yeah. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you. You are the Savior that defeated death, hell, and the grave. And we will forever celebrate that. And today, God, I pray that we would take seriously the opportunity to be loud about our faith with you. Not controversial, but loud. God, I pray that we would learn the ability to take our stance on the word and what we believe and what we know in the word of God because we're Bible-believing Christians in a Bible-believing church. We will stand on that. But God, I pray that we do, we take a strong stance, but we'd embrace tenderly. That we would love people where they are. And God, let us never forget that there's always room for someone. There's always room for anyone. And there's always room for everyone at your table. God, I pray we'd walk out of here and we'd be mobilized followers of Jesus Christ that goes out and makes a difference. And right now, God, I'm praying that you would pack the rooms out at every service this Easter as we declare and we talk about the goodness of Jesus. And not only that you'd pack them out, but you'd pack them out with people that need the hope and the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ this Easter. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.